What's up, everybody? This is comedian Vaughn Michael here with What's the Lesson Podcast, a podcast where I interview different people about experiences and stories about they go through, and we try to figure out the lesson they learn. I'm really excited about today's episode. Today's guest, we're going to be talking about how she created the Black Shopping Network and her entrepreneurial career. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast, y'all. Janice McLean Deloach, TV host, radio personality, entrepreneur, author, and advocate for fairness in all industries has always had to think on her feet. Known for her TV show, Entrepreneur's Edge TV, and now her weekly radio show is Janice. Minority women entrepreneurs on WOLB 1010 Talk Radio. Janice has always been a passionate advocate, helping people understand that it's okay to be an entrepreneur and venture out to create your own business all the while controlling risks. It can be done. I did it, although not easy. As a small business advocate, Janice is a knowledgeable resource and tireless mentor encouraging entrepreneurs, business, and innovation creators. Janice started out on the journey of entrepreneurship teaching fashion, modeling workshops, then event planning with talent shows called City Search 1988 to a business that sold pantyhose out of vending machines. Still seeking her calling, she moved on from fashion, modeling, workshops, event planning, and the pantyhose vending machine business venture, which did eventually fail. Like all entrepreneurs, Janice saw obstacles as opportunities to learn, grow, and succeed. One door closes and another opens, and Janice had the opportunity to showcase her business ideas in entrepreneurs, startups, magazines, and many other noteworthy publications. Despite the temporary setback of her first business idea, like all good entrepreneurs, Janice reconsidered her options and created highly viewed. Novel television shows were well regarded by critics. Her show presents a window for viewers who are potential startup entrepreneurs and those in the difficult first two years of commerce. Mid-sized business owners, innovators, and just those with a thirst for being part of other people's dreams who exhibit booming creativity energy. Her viewers and live audiences can learn about various aspects of entrepreneurship, alternative resources, business opportunities, and any economic environment and innovation while interviewing top entrepreneurs in various fields who share their false starts and ultimate success. Viewers find Janice's show segments, antics, her engaging style, feature celebrities, and backstage event access to be inspirational and immediately useful. After being forced to rebrand her TV show because of Entrepreneur Magazine stealing her business identity, Janice rebranded her show, It's Janice. It's Janice is a half-hour weekly radio show on WLOB 1010 Talk Radio, part of Radio 1, serving the Baltimore, D.C. area. Her show is jam-packed with useful educational and informational tools to help especially minority women entrepreneurs to draw in their strengths, women of color who are mid-level and corporate business success today and tomorrow. The show is hosted by Janice, who has been described in the media as a bright, articulate, energetic, and enthusiastic entrepreneur, turned TV host and producer who brings a background of entrepreneurship, politics, business, entertainment, and television experience to the screen to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower her viewers to create their own success with the help full information being shared. In addition to covering all aspects of business, viewers can also enjoy a variety of special segments that include marketing, personal finance, Wellness highlighted by special guest appearances by Chef Marcus Miles, Business Catering, Damon John from FUBU and Shark Tank, 
the legendary Etta James, blues singer, and many other great entrepreneur, business leaders, politicians, entertainers, and the sports and civil rights figures. These shows fast pace keep viewers engaged and encourage them to become a part by submitting their story to be featured in future episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Janice McLean Deloach to the podcast. So, uh, hi, Vaughn. Thank you for allowing me to be on your show today. Uh, so, my name is Janice McLean Deloach, and I am a serial entrepreneur in that I started out uh, creating my own fashion agency uh, after not being afforded opportunities through John Casablanca's modeling agency for uh, models who were five foot four and African American. And then I went into event planning. Uh, as a means to support the models that I was now training when I founded my own modeling agency, the Visa Fashion Agency, after being frustrated with not having opportunities from the John Casablanca's Modeling School uh, that addressed uh, minority women who were five foot four. And I did that for a while and transitioned into um, doing a lot of pantyhose and hosiery which then uh, gave way to the pantyhose vending machines. Can I stop you for one second? So um, the first one, the first business that you did, you you said that you're in like marketing and stuff like that. Um, Could you explain like what that process was like, like going into that? Um, Was it something that happened overnight for you? They were just like, I'm tired of, you know, this, or, you know, did you have people around you that kind of got you? ready for that like did you have a support group um i guess for which ha- business? um for your um bottling and agency oh okay right mm-hmm. um because that was your first business right yeah uh the modeling agency was my first real business i like to say it was one that um people paid me to to teach lessons and um mm-hmm. i did really well with it for quite some time and um my frustration out of not being able to have opportunities for myself, uh, it gave way to that uh, pantyhose vending machine. I'm sorry, uh, it gave way to the Visa Fashion Agency. And so my support group really was my parents. Um, My mom and my dad really were instrumental and and even to this day uh, were and still are uh, instrumental in my decisions to try entrepreneurship. Normally, uh, at that time, I won't say that it was normal, but at that time you had, uh, the emphasis was on going to school, going to college and getting a job and working for somebody else. Right. But um, actually my household really didn't believe in that. They really wanted me to follow whatever dream or goal I had that I set for myself. The only rule was that I had to, if I was going to do it, I had to be really good at it mm-hmm. and that uh, I needed to have a strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, if I, I needed to find a solution for a problem. So whatever business or career mm-hmm. or job I decided to uh, transition into, it, it really should have been something that would have helped other people and, and support some kind of vacancy or need okay and um you you said that what years were you you growing up i know you're never supposed to ask a woman her age absolutely Um, not (laughs) (laughs) this is still true yes 
So <laughs> I would say, you know, you're saying um, a time where um, most people went to, like, what, what years were this around? You would say that um, so people get an understanding. Because I say nowadays that you see more people um, not going to college and stuff like that. So what years was this when you were, your parents were kind of encouraging you to um, go your own route? Sure. So this was in 1985, 1986. Okay. And, and um, did you feel any like outside pressure at all? You know, I mean, besides out of your family, like with your peers and stuff like that to not go down this route or anything? Um, not really. I feel that most of the people that I shared my ideas with or asked for help were very supportive and really encouraging for me to, toward me going for my goal. They really were. You know, the other thing is that I'm a Leo and I don't know, you know, for those people who follow zodiac signs and all that, um, we tend to, once we have an idea in our head, you know, people could tell us that they're not going to support it or they don't like it all day long, but we're still kind of going to go for it. And, you know, I just have always kind of been that, that person win, lose, or draw. You know, if I don't try, then I didn't win anyway. So I'd rather try something and have it not end out in the way I wanted it to end or in the way that I wanted to end. But if I don't ever try, I don't ever know. So um, I definitely had a lot of support in terms of moving ahead with my ideas. And my family really has always been instrumental in that. Gotcha. And um, your, your family had their own businesses as well. Is that correct? They did. So um, my father worked for Bethlehem Steel and uh, mm -hmm. Copper's Company, which at the time were two of the largest shipbuilding companies uh, on the East Coast. And he mm -hmm. also owned his own taxi cab, which back in that time was really a special thing. It wasn't a lot of people who owned their own cabs and they drove cabs, but they didn't right. actually own them. So even then my father was always showing me that entrepreneurship, you know, you can work for other people, but it's always good to have your own as well. And so he had his own taxi cab and my mom, um, they started a family restaurant called McLean's Carry Out. And um, that was a result of my mother working for a company called Reed's. It was a lunch counter and uh, my mom always was a really good cook loved to cook and both of my parents are gone now but um at the time you know just amazing people i just really loved you know being around my my family and my my mom and my dad i'm i really 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 had a close bond close bond with them um but my mom worked at reed's uh counter and that was when there was still segregation so there were times that the people that were the owners of that particular place could be a little bit prejudiced. And my mom would always stand up for the black people who came in and she felt they weren't treated fairly. And then finally they said to her, look, you have to decide whether you want to be a civil rights Avenger or you want to keep your job. And so um, she chose to be to be a civil rights avenger and they let her go and so she started her own restaurant called McLean's Carry Out and my father and my grandmother my aunts I had one uncle and my niece and I all worked that business and it was really an interesting experience because mm -hmm. I got to see firsthand 
um, black people working together, a family working together. I got to see us being a part of the community, reaching out to the community and the community supporting us. Um, and just really being able to even give back to the community. There were times that some people would come in, they didn't have money and my family still fed them. And there were times when, you know, I, I never remember lottery and she mm -hmm. came back and she gave my family $250. She says, here, thank you, because this is for all the times that I didn't have and you guys were always there for me. And that just, I never forgot that. I, I really, t I can still see her face, even as I'm telling you this now, I had really forgotten about that. But it was nice to see a black business, a black family growing and working together. And um, so we can do it. I know we can do it. I've seen it. So. Right. That's really dope that you were exposed to that at an early age. Um, and the fact that you got to see that, um, did you know, you go into your first business, did you have any fears at all, even though you, you, know, you saw this firsthand with your family? Um, I don't really feel like I had any fears. I you know, of course, that was a while ago, so I don't always remember, you know, everything that, that I was feeling at that time. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I had to stop being really sad that I had to stop. Uh, and a lot of it was because I um, could not access the resources that I needed to continue that business the way it needed to grow. And okay. um, so I was, a, I was, disappointed by by that failure because it was really personal for me in a lot of ways it was my first real business it was my business and then I had models that I had trained and I kind of felt like I let them down too because I wasn't able to um, continue to grow this business and and find the opportunities for them that I really wanted um could you shed light on that at all like you say that you weren't able to um, have access to certain things? Um, is this, do you feel like it's just because you're a minority or a woman or? Um, so I feel like, it, I feel like it was both of those. I feel that there were times that I was denied opportunities because I was a woman. Mm -hmm. I, I know there were times that I was denied opportunities and access because I was a minority. And then there were times that I feel I was denied access to resources and um, expansion uh, simply because some people didn't know how to help me. It wasn't that they didn't want to. I don't think they really understood what my business model was and what I was trying to accomplish. And sometimes when people can't understand what you visualize as an end result, in their mind, it's not valid. And so okay. I feel like I came up against that a lot as well. Gotcha. And then this, after that, you, you transitioned to your second business, um, which was about, um, um, it was to give information to other um, business owners. Is that correct? Oh, right. So you're talking about the TV show, Entrepreneur's Edge TV. That correct. was my, yeah. So I transitioned from the pantyhose vending machines and a private line of hosiery Mm -hmm. into uh, creating a TV show called Entrepreneur's Edge TV. And Entrepreneur's Edge TV came 
out of my frustration, again, with not getting funding and getting access to resources that I need to develop machines, to market and advertise machines, to hire salespeople, even commission-based salespeople, you still want to be able to give them some kind of base rate. And so I went to the Small Business Administration, I went to SCORE, I went to the Minority Business Development Authority, um, seeking capital to uh, grow my pantyhose vending machines. And the answer was always no. It was either I didn't have enough credit, I didn't have any credit, I had bad credit. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, one guy actually said to me, well, you know, if you had a husband, this would really go better for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> if I had what? He said, well, if you were married, you know, we could probably put him on and you would really be able to access capital. And mm -hmm. I mean, I was just kind of looking at him like he was he, a monster with three heads because I just couldn't believe. And he said that with such a straight face, like that was really, right. you know, like this is really what you need to be doing. What's wrong with you? Why don't you have a husband? And I thought, well, gee, let me run right out and go get married and I'll come <laughs> back and get that loan. How about that? You know? So uh, I just remember feeling, now this I do remember, feeling yeah. very discriminated against. I felt very woman at that time. Like it was kind of clear to me what the whole women's movement was about when he mm -hmm. said that. I mean, and I, and we're talking in 2000, we're not talking like in 1939. So right. uh, it was just kind of strange to hear that. But anyway, um, I just, you know, remember being really upset about it and, and, um, ended up doing a TV show that talked just about that very thing, not being able to get access to capital, um, the Small Business Administration, not really being able to help me in the way that I needed to be helped. And that was, that included um, somebody to help me figure out what my legal structure was. So like there are, you could be an S corp, you can be an LLC, you can be a partnership, you could be a corporation. There are so many different entities that a business or an entrepreneur can take when they're starting their business. And so there was not even anybody there to really even give me guidance on that. Which one is better? If I have to pay taxes, will I pay more? Will I pay less? So I always wondered why offices like the SBA who keep records of how many people come in, mm -hmm. they could talk, right now, if, you, if I walked to an SBA office or SCORE office and signed my name on that sheet, they would have records of that. But six months later, they have no idea whether I was successful or I had failed or what kind of resources I needed. And so I was very frustrated with that whole process. And so I decided to create a TV show called Entrepreneur's Edge TV. So before Shark Tank and Undercover Boss and The Prophet and MSNBC, there was Janice with her little microphone and her one little camera on Capitol Hill trying to get some answers about why women and minorities were not being able to access capital the way that we needed it. And um, as a matter of fact, I started at the same time the Entertainment Tonight started. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so 20 years ago, we're talking. Um, and so I did 
the television show for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Entrepreneur Magazine decided that I could not use the word entrepreneur, sued me for my domain name, GoDaddy, the domain company that I paid for 10 years, gave it to mm-hmm. them without my permission. They, uh, Entrepreneur Magazine, the magazine that is supposed to support entrepreneurs, said, look, we'll give you $50,000 to stop using Entrepreneur's Edge TV. And I said, no, because after 10 years of sleeping in my car and burning up gas, riding up and down the highway, mailing stuff, I've spent that much in postage and expenses. So surely you can do better than that, particularly if you have a book that you're selling for $79 with my story in it that you featured. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, if you don't take this, we're going to take you to court and we're going to win because legislation and the laws are on our side and they were right and that's exactly what happened and so thus Uh, began yeah did you do you did you want me to stop there i was going to ask you um looking back at it now knowing what you know was there anything you could have done differently in, in that situation okay so i had yes and no What I could have done differently was look for, well, yes and no. So the answer is I needed an attorney to represent me. Okay. I was not represented by counsel because I could not afford counsel. When you're in federal court, you're now in litigation. Mm -hmm. And the federal court will not allow, well, you can file cases pro bono and represent yourself all day long. Mm-hmm. But they don't take you serious when you're not represented by counsel. As a matter of fact, in my particular case, they told me, if you do not get representation, you will lose by default. Oh, wow. I did. So what I would have done differently was try to find representation, which I did. The issue mm-hmm. is that I did not have capital to fight them. And they knew that. They told me that. The other issue is... When you are, at the time, I had small children at home, I was still working part-time, and I'm trying to grow a business and run a household on the same income. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to do. So versus a company that's got millions of dollars and attorneys on retainers, you know, who are prepared to come to court and fight, little old me. So what would I have done differently? I would have at least reached out to pro pro bono clinics to see if I could have gotten some counsel that way, because then I didn't know that they even existed. Would they have been able to help me? I don't know, but I definitely know that you cannot go into court, federal court, for litigation without counsel. You're going to lose by default. Okay. Um, so after this goes down, what, what is, what's next for you? Where does your life take you at that point? Uh, at this point, I really was very distraught. And and that I had spent 10 years building something that could so easily be stolen from me because they did steal my business identity mm-hmm. and that the rules on the books were so obsolete and so old and outdated that if you are a company like Entrepreneur Magazine and you know how to navigate the system of using those old laws to your advantage, then you get away with it. Um, And they've continued to do that even today. As a matter of fact, Entrepreneur Magazine, 
entrepreneur is a word, it's a general use word. It should never have been granted a trademark for that name. That's like saying air, water, swimming, money. You know, people use these words every day around the world. And so whoever gave them that trademark was totally wrong. And I'm wondering how that was able to work even today. Um, so that should have never happened. And um, I spent a lot of time writing letters to Congress people and senators and delegates. And, you know, um, I did a lot of lobbying at that time and just kind of really just took a minute to sit down and just reflect on what I was really going through and try to process it. And then I started to write. And the more I wrote, the more I wanted to write. And the more I wanted to write, I was like, okay, somebody really needs to hear this story. Mm -hmm. Making calls and writing letters, you know what? I need to write a book and tell other entrepreneurs about what I'm going through so they can understand some of the successes and pitfalls that I've had. I need to share with them some of the advice that I've gotten from mentors like Linda McMahon from the World Wrestling Federation or Les Brown, who is a motivational speaker or Magic Johnson about creating my own um, seed clubs to help support my own businesses instead of waiting for other people to do it. And um, when I was done writing, I had a book called The Autobiography of an Entrepreneur that did just that. It, it um, has tidbits and tips in there to help that everyday entrepreneur who may not understand that you need to understand what your business formation should look like or that you need to um, find certain lawyers in different areas of expertise depending on what your business is or what you're trying to accomplish. So uh, I did this book called Autobiography of an Entrepreneur. And then I tried to get it on the shopping platforms. And each shopping platform, not only did they not pick up my book, I think it's pretty good. Maybe they just didn't think, well, I don't know how they would know because I didn't even send them a copy. They never even saw the copy. But they just didn't even bother to acknowledge the fact that I had submitted anything at all. And so uh, thus came the blackshoppingnetworks.com out of my frustration of feeling like I was begging for validation from some people who really didn't even care. Right. And once again, I'm looking at a situation that black and brown people are left out of the conversation. When I looked at the shopping networks that were available, there were three. I'm sure there are other ones, but the three major ones that do a lot of volume. Um, when I thought about them, I, I wanted to know how many black businesses were on these platforms and very rarely did I see any advertised there. I see, I saw black and brown models modeling somebody else's stuff, but very rarely did I see a black or brown company presenting. And even when they do, they have to have a certain number or minimums qualities and quantities to even be accepted to those platforms. Also, they probably were celebrities or people who had some kind of notoriety. And then I just recently saw something where QVC said, we're gonna profile black businesses. And at this particular time in July, 
they only had 13. Mm -hmm. The QVC has been around for 20 plus years. You could only find 13 black businesses to feature in 2020. <laughs> that right there screams the blackshoppingnetworks.com needs to exist. And that's exactly why it was created to fill a void for black and brown people who are starving for their own voice, their own identity, and their own sense of ownership in something. Um, we have access to AI. We have e-commerce platforms. We market and advertise your company. And then you get to be on a platform with other companies in different states around the country, in the state and out of the states that you probably never even heard of because they're not giving a voice on those other platforms. Not that I know of. Now, maybe that's changed in the last couple of months, but at the time when I was researching this, it was very vague. The difference with the blackshoppingnetworks.com is that Vaughn, you're not just on the blackshoppingnetworks.com. It's Vaughn's company in partnership with the blackshoppingnetworks.com. So when you think of the blackshoppingnetworks.com, you're thinking of a black woman who has been an entrepreneur, who has failed up, has failed down, but has the experience of being an entrepreneur and starting a business and understanding what it takes to be in business and try to grow one when all of the odds are stacked against you as a woman or as a minority in a country that when they say PPP money for the stimulus protection program, and they classify your business as a small business, which is 500 employees or less. Mm -hmm. That's not true. So anyway, I know what it's like to be that person. You, when you think about the blackshoppingnetworks.com, I want people to think about a black woman who understands that struggle, not a boardroom of people sitting around in suits and chairs, making millions of dollars off of your business and your idea, and you're paying to be on that platform, and they're taking a percentage of your sales as well, too. The other difference with the blackshoppingnetworks.com is there's a flat rate, depending on what size your business is, and if your business is over a certain amount, then yes, we do a percentages. So we're not asking you for upfront quantities and taking a percentage of your sales and you're paying a flat rate to be on there as well too which again makes us the best <laughs> of is course. your book on there yes it is absolutely okay. yes <laughs> <laughs> wow you know you're the first person who's ever actually you know, ever actually asked me that and my book was the first product that we actually had on there, you know, but since then we've got some really great companies that have signed up. We have a company called Matto. Mm -hmm. It's a, um, it's a, the guy's a foreign guy. I, I think he's French or something, but he's a black guy and he's got these Italian shoes that are beautiful. We've got um, Solo Noir. It's a black skincare company for men. We've got um, My Therapy Cards. It's a black psychologist who wrote therapy cards because during pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, um, the numbers for mental uh, illness and mental health are really going up. And so this was her way of letting people kind of have some tips and share some tips about things that they could be going through through her therapy cards. I, it's just really cool. We've got little kids on there that have created their own um, hair care products. And uh, we have uh, Tronis, a female football player who actually created her own line 
of sneakers instead of trying to partner with some other larger company. She created her own. And oh, so wow. you won't see these uh, items on other networks. I mean, maybe now, but they weren't before. And so mm -hmm. I'm really proud of that, that we are finding companies that, um, that you don't hear about every day who are now having an opportunity to have their voice heard and their businesses seen and uh, at a rate that they can afford to actually decide whether this is something I want to do, can continue to do. And now we're linking it with other people so that we can get some eyeballs on it to, to support it as well. And uh, I just really had some serious ambassadors come on board who want to support the blackshoppingnetworks.com. Uh, one of them is Dion Warwick. And um, another guy, I, I, I'm not gonna give his name out just yet, but um, I know that when people find out he is part of the blackshoppingnetworks.com, they will definitely gravitate toward the platform. But here's my call to action to black and brown people. Mm -hmm. uh, BET, although people said BET did a lot to degrade women, but BET also did a lot for black women. They hired mm -hmm. black writers, camera operators, screenwriters, uh, people to produce commercials. They had editors and floor runners. Uh, and it was in a community uh, in between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore that was not the best neighborhood. And they came into this neighborhood and they created opportunities and jobs for people who probably wouldn't have had them otherwise. Right. Um, they gave back to the community and um, really allowed Black people to have a platform to tell their stories and their shows, TV shows and movies and films and videos to be seen that we didn't have before. And so I think of the blackshoppingnetworks.com like that as such. Now, but black people and brown people have to support it. So we cry about what we don't have and now we do have it. So right. here's my call to action to everybody. Sign up as a shopper, it's free and you get 20% off of your first purchase. Sign up as a vendor or a merchant because right now we're allowing people to put their businesses up here right now for free because we're gearing up for Shop Black for Black Friday with the blackshoppingnetworks.com. We want people to see your business. We want them to know that you're there and I don't want money to be the reason that they aren't on this platform. And so uh, people have to step up. We've got to do it. Now I also wanna emphasize that because this is called the blackshoppingnetworks.com, I am not discriminating against other people. I am not trying to separate people. I am not trying to create that conversation at all. The purpose of the blackshoppingnetworks.com is to level the playing field and give people who are usually left out of the conversation the opportunity to be included. So I just want to be clear about that. All right, I got two more questions for you. Um, what is the, the, the next goal for um, the Black Shopping Network? to sign up as many vendors and shoppers as we can and make 2020 a spectacular year for black businesses because black businesses do matter. They always have. And while it's important to um, march and protest for black lives matter, it's also very important to shop black and support black businesses because black commerce matters as well. Uh, when the pandemic hit, there were a number of black businesses that closed who will not reopen because they didn't get PPE money and really don't have 
savings or, you know, a rich uncle somewhere who can write them a check so they can just go back and restart. So it was very, very hard. And it still continues to be a strain mm -hmm. for the black community and black businesses. So it is important that people make an impact and march and stand up and, and, and fight for black businesses as well too. Um, and that's all people across the board, not just black people. I'm encouraging everybody to fight for black businesses because black businesses are important, should be important to everybody. Nobody cares whether a black person or a white person made the hamburger. They just want the hamburger. They don't right. care who made it, you know? But I think if you are in a community and you, and, and you have a chance to shop at Susie's or Raul's, support both. So I'm not saying just support black businesses and forget about everybody else. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying it's important that people are aware that they should give other people opportunities to be included as well. So. And um, just through your journey, um, you know, up until your point that you're at now, uh, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you learned? Um, and I just want to piggyback a little bit from that last question. So what's next is that I want us to be the best black shopping networks that we can. I want to have as many merchants and businesses as we can. So that's my goal for this year. I'm sure it'll change every year. And the lesson that I'm learning is that um, people just want to be included at the end of the day. Um, I really wish that political leaders and, and community leaders and just people who are leading their own homes uh, just um, continue or, or start to think about ways that we can include all people. We know that life is not fair. We know that black and brown people are left out of the conversation and women quite a bit. But I think the way to change the conversation is to start by doing it ourselves. Now that might sound real hokey and cliche, but I think we really have to practice empathy and making sure we include other people. Now, are we gonna always get it right? No. Um, will everybody agree with us? No, but I think it's better than what we have right now. So I'm willing to try. So I, so I think that's my lesson. The other lesson I learned is Make sure you have an attorney and you get agreement <laughs> and you've got everything in writing with everybody. Yeah. Even your volunteers, make sure you've got your legal stuff tied up and booted up and, and the I's dotted and the T's crossed and everything suited and booted. That's really important. That's the major lesson right there. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so where can people find you at on social media and website wise? So you can go to www.janice.media, www.itsjaniceepk.com. And that's because I have a radio program that's on the Radio One Networks on Wednesday from 4.30 to 5 p.m., where I talk about small business and entrepreneurship and give, all, give out all kinds of resources there. So again, it's, uh, it's Janice on Radio One, W-O-L-B, 10, 10 a.m. Uh, then my social medias are Janice McLean Deloach on Facebook, uh, Janice McLean Deloach on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Janice on TV. And then um, you can always go to, again, my, uh, and the blackshoppingnetworks.com. 
also has uh, their own Facebook page, uh, theblackshoppingnetworks.com, and of course, www.theblackshoppingnetworks.com. You can always go there and uh, send an email or leave a message, and we certainly will follow up with you because that's the other thing. We're going to be really great at customer service. We have to. That's my background. If I fail at that, then I need to just go away, period. So. <laughs> So uh, 